February 7th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza and Daf Dalid Bet. Let's begin again four lines from the top. If you recall, Rabbi Hanan had a statement. He was disagreeing with Rav. The Gemara ultimately spoke, told us in the name of Rava that will be posek like Rav, Lekula uh, in this circumstance. But the statement, excuse me, the Humra in this circumstance, but the statement of Rabbi Hanan was that if a betza, if an egg is born uh, on Yom Tov, and the next day is Shabbat, or alternatively, it's born on Shabbat, and the next day is Yom Tov, well, the first day, we're well aware from our Mishnah, at the beginning of, Mase- of the Masechet, the Bet Hillel's opinion is, betza shin yom tov, by extension, Shabbat is Asura. Uh, what would be the status of that egg the next day? So we saw it was a mahlok between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. And the mahlok, it stemmed from not what we thought was a fundamental question of if you recall what those words means, we'll, we'll return to those words in a bit. But rather, it was just a question of whether we're posek like another two words, which we're at this point somewhat familiar with, all that notwithstanding. The Gemara at this point says, well, wait a second, Rabbi Yochanan yourself, you distinguished for us, and that's what's presented to us, between a circumstance where the egg is born and its status on day one as opposed to on day two, a leniency, day two would be permitted, as opposed to when a branch falls off a tree and the permissibility, or lack thereof, of using that branch. Now, the branch falling off the tree, certainly as it falls down, you're dealing with something called mukseh. What about the next day? It's Yom Tov and the next day is Shabbat. It's Shabbat and the next day is Yom Tov. Perhaps that should be permitted as well. It would stand to reason that it is. After all, Rabbi Yochanan, if you told us that the egg on day one is problematic, but day two, if it's Shabbat, if it's Yom Tov, as opposed to the first day, it's permitted, why should this be different? But different. But Rabbi Yochanan said it is different. And I think we weren't sharp enough at the end of the class yesterday, so I want to say it outside and then read it again inside as to the distinction according to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan had a fear. The fear of Rabbi Yochanan was a misunderstanding of the people where the rabbis, himself included, were to, uh, to permit that branch on the second day of those two days of holiday, of holy days. And he said as follows, he said, when it comes to an egg, and an egg which is born on Shabbat or Yom Tov, Technically speaking, aside from mukseh, leave mukseh aside, the egg is usable immediately on Shabbat or Yom Tov. You can swallow that egg immediately without any such issue, right? I think we all can understand that. We don't really think of eggs in that fashion any longer. We're not swallowing eggs and we're not eating them raw. But technically speaking, especially during a time where that was more appropriate, and I know someone after the class is going to send me something on new research, you should have raw eggs, is there such a thing? Okay, but assuming that uh, during a time where they're really doing it as such, the statement that on day one you can't use that egg, you can't eat from that egg, is understood by the people as, well, there's a problem with the egg with regards to mukseh. They'll understand, they'll know that is the issue, right? Because aside from mukseh, there would be no reason that you couldn't put the egg into your mouth. Uh, that's, that's the status with regards to betza. The rabbis, therefore, Rabbi Yohanan, standing forth and explaining it, had no fear about permitting the egg on day two. Well, why'd they have no fear about doing so? They said everybody will understand it was prohibited on day one, and it's only permitted on day two. Why are they going to understand it? Because why wouldn't I be able to put it in my mouth? And it must be there was a problem with mukse. That's in contrast to, that's, it's unlike the branches. The branches of a whole other issue. 
aside from kids playing with branches, branches want to be, we want to utilize the branches. We want to use the branches for something. Day one, let's imagine it as Shabbat, even as, even as Yom Tov, with regards to kindling the fire, with regards to using those branches in a constructive way, you anyway would not be able to use them. On day one, let's call it Shabbat, you anyway can't use those branches. As a result, says Rabbi Yohanan, we'll tell you, day one, don't use the branches. Day two, it's permitted to use the branches. You and I will mistakenly say, listen, technically speaking, it was permitted on day one. The only issue was that it was Shabbat. The only issue was, what was I going to use those branches for after all? We'd make the mistake of assuming that branches which fall off a tree are different than an egg which is born. We'd make the mistake of saying when it comes to branches off a tree, there's no issue of mukseh. Therefore, said Rabbi Yohanan, in order to make the point, branches do pose an issue, not just the kindling of fire, a problem of them falling off and not being prepared beforehand. The hachamim, says Rabbi Yohanan, were oser, they prohibited the branch which falls off on day one, as well as day two. So that's the contrast. It's a fear of the mistaken idea of the people. This, the fact that eggs would be usable had it not been that the rabbis were specifically telling you, don't use it, don't put it in your mouth, makes it clear there's an issue of mukseh with eggs. When it comes to branches, alternatively, you'd have another reason. You already wouldn't be able to use it. You'd say to yourself, if it's allowed on day two, the only reason it wasn't allowed on day one is because I didn't have something I could do with it. That's the statement of Rabbi Yochanan. I'll just read it to you inside, and then we'll really move onward. But just to clarify that, uh, with regards to how we ended, there was a bit of discussion, argument, and I think I wasn't clear enough. Amar Again, that's his circumstance. He's talking about specifically the branches, four lines from the top, and the a branch of a tree falls off, specifically he says, min hadekil, Stanley Cohen pointed out, he's amongst the, uh, I said yesterday, we could somewhat understand that, he texted me afterwards, he's in Florida, amongst the dikalim, uh, so he's amongst the palm trees living this one, I told him to be certain on Shabbat not to use the branches, but here's the statement, they fell off of a palm tree on Shabbat, you can't the next day, Use them to light a fire. Well, why not? You're allowed to light fire. If the fire's already there, you can keep the fire going on Yom Tov. Perhaps there's a problem with mukseh. No, but you told us, Rabbi Yohanan, with regards to eggs, that on day two, there's no such issue. It would only be an issue on day one. Alta shiveni. Don't ask a question of my own opinion with regards to what I told you, that if the Betzah da on day one, on day two is permitted from Shabbat to Yom Tov. My Tama, what's the reason? Why do I distinguish? The egg on the day in which it's born, let's call it Shabbat, you could, technically speaking, utilize it. It's usable. Leave halakha aside. You could take it and put it into your mouth and, and, uh, and drink from it. Uh, but we're making clear to you, you can only do it the next day. Uh, everybody now understands. You and I understand. The reason we weren't allowed to pop it into our mouth on the day in which it was born, Shabbat, is because there's a problem aside from a, a Hilchot Shabbat problem. The problem is called Mukseh. That would be in contrast, where we'd make the mistake by trees, by branches. Branches which fall off on Shabbat. Well, what are you going to use them for? 
Are you going to light a fire? You can't light a fire on Shabbat anyway. What if it were to fall off on Yom Tov? You and I would say to ourselves, we say, oh, the only reason the rabbi didn't allow us on Shabbat, because on Shabbat he said to us, what are you going to use it for anyway? It falls off on Yom Tov, I would make the mistake of saying, I could use it on Yom Tov, because after all, Ishar elehu lemahar, if it was permitted the next day, people would in turn say, people would say, even on the day on which it falls off, it should be permitted, and the only reason it wasn't, ve'etmol mishum Shabbatu delo hazu lehasaka, it was only in that circumstance where Shabbat was the first of those two days that is prohibited because you can't light a fire, obviously, on Shabbat. Okay, effectively, Rabbi Ochanan gives the underpinnings, the reasoning for him distinguishing between a Betzah from day one to day two, Shabbat and Yom Tov, and Itzim uh, Shinashru, the branches which come off from day one into day two. Yes? The branches were already on the floor. You didn't know when it fell. Well, it's a suffix you're dealing with in such a circumstance? You would. You would. Right? You went out. You, know, you didn't know if it fell today, yesterday, or three weeks ago. Yeah, you're probably going to be dealing with a suffix de Rabbanam, which we probably would be able to be lenient on. Generally speaking, as we're going to talk about in the Gemara, it's supposed to be set aside, but I imagine you're saying you're uncertain whether you did set that aside as part of this pile of some sort. We're going to deal with the Safek Rabbanam. We're going to be lenient in such a circumstance. Okay, says the Gemara, let's now, now that we talked about Itzim Shinashru, let's talk a little bit more about it. And we'll touch in this context on a principle which has both in class and outside of class come up on more than one occasion. So far, these are words we're familiar with. The branches fell off of a, a palm tree. They fell straight into an oven on Yom Tov. Uh, so let's uh, review again just to, to try to conceptualize this. Once upon a time, not too long ago, there were communal ovens. That's my knowledge, in recent, uh, you know, 70, 80 years ago, they weren't exactly exposed in that respect that branches could fall into them. But there were communal ovens. They weren't commercialized and uh, 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 there weren't, uh, um, what's it called, domestic ovens in each person's home. Until uh, today in Yerushalayim, in, uh, in Shari Hesed, if you go behind the Bet Knesset Hagera, you'll see just 80, 90 years ago, there was a communal oven which has fascinating ramifications with regards to the fact that everyone trusted the other's kashrut. More than anything, it's an amazing thing. They all shared one oven, which means they believed that every person, okay, anyway, that notwithstanding, so I heard dealing with, I imagine, a communal oven. Maybe they were personal ovens and they just didn't keep it in their homes. Their homes were made out of wood. Regardless, the oven is outside. It's exposed in some respect. And a branch on Yom Tov, which we know is a problem, that's Mokseh, falls into it. Am I finished? I can't use the fire any longer. I can't utilize uh, these branches. And what you can and should do, says Rav Matna, is take prepared wood that you had on the side. It's Yom Tov, after all. You don't have an automatic oven. You're going to be adding wood to the fire throughout. Take some of those prepared branches, which are not muksib, because you prepared them. You set them aside to be used on Yom Tov and do or affect bitul. Bitul means you're annulling. Make certain you add enough of those branches, enough of that firewood, so that the problematic firewood which fell in, not with your intention, is now knocked out. You did bitul on it. We've talked about bitul more than once. It's a bitul birov, bitul bishishim. Make certain that you did a bitul over here. Wait a second. Every time someone has talked to me about something like this, both during and after class, I've yelled at you. 
I've told you, en vatelin isur lechatechilat. Siman saditet in shohan aruch yodereteha. We're going to see the words on in the Gemara. You're already, in my opinion, supposed to be nervous about that. Did you just say, we tell you to do away with it? We solved almost all of Hilchot Kashrut questions that I get called about. I'm not certain because this happened, so I should just say, that. okay, just throw in 60 more times. Instead of questioning, well, what happened already? Apparently, we're going to have such a principle. We don't do such a thing. This was kosher already. Was it kosher? I understand, but then a branch fell in. It's problematic. I had a kosher pot of meat, and uh, I dropped in some milk. It was kosher already. It was already a cook of a, a, a pot of cooked meat, and then some milk fell in. Enough milk to make it problematic. I could just uh, overdo it. Uh, first says the Gemara, I have first, before I get to that second issue, but I wanted to address it already, says the Gemara, aren't you, by so doing, being mehapech bi'isura, lehapech, it's literally means to turn over. For our purposes, it means you're handling, you're moving. Isura, of course, means something that's forbidden. So imagine the scene. Here's my oven, and I had non-kosher, quote-unquote, problematic branches which fell into it. And now as I'm involved with this, I'm putting in other ones, and I'm moving them around. How are you moving it around? You can't move around those problematic branches. Those branches which fell off into your oven are mukseh. Not allowed to be doing that. Since you've now overwhelmed by saying the rov, the majority is hetera, is kosher, meaning prepared, uh, permissible uh, branches, we in turn envision this situation, halachically speaking, but on your lenses of halacha, you're moving around, permitted branches, says Rashi. Now there was a bitul berov, there was a, a nulling, which means to say seemingly uh, that which was problematic got transformed, it's now permitted. So effectively, the Gemara says, don't get so nervous here. The circumstances that the branch fell off into your oven, you now have mukse in your midst. Again, we are already, I think, triggering in our minds every issue in the kitchen, every issue in any context of kashrut, of isur ve'eter, amazing thing, just add in, you could fix the situation under all circumstances. So it's going to be, but wait a second, you're going to be moving around problematic stuff, specifically an issue on Yom Tov with mukseh. That's okay, there's rov, you've transformed it by placing enough majority. Awesome. Isn't that very, the same thing that we have a problem with? Says the Gemara, we have a problem with this. Those are the words there. Now, of course, we distinguish in halakha, generally speaking, in a performance of mitzvot aser, we say what's ideal and what's unideal. But really, to translate those words, one is uh, what I'm putting forth purposefully, and one is what kind of just happened. That's really what the words mean. So over here the idea is you're mevatel isur, you're annulling, you're doing away with something that's... And that concept is that you're not allowed to be mevatel lechatechila. You're not allowed to, let's put it in these words, even if it's not precise, mindfully be mevatel. You're not allowed to mindfully overwhelm, a, turn something into a minority through the addition of a majority. Not allowed to do such a thing. Who said you're not allowed to do such a thing? Says the Gemara, Utnan, and we have a Mishnah, En mevatelin isur lechatechila. It cites from Mishnah in Masechet Terumot. 
happens to be those words are not in the Mishnah and Masechet Terumot, but as Rashi on the left-hand side points out, the halacha is there. As we mentioned last week, the halacha with regards to Terumah, Terumah could be a problem for non-Kohanim, right? I'm, I'm dealing, got mixed into my... I'm doing all sorts of work in my field or elsewhere, and uh, I had to separate teruma, and I got mixed in, and I'm in trouble. I'd love my Kohanim friends, but it's a major financial loss to me, the fact that now this whole mixture has the status of safek teruma. I can't eat from it. I'd love to give it to a Kohen, but I can't make money off of that. What am I to do in such a circumstance? Now, the, the halakha is, if it got mixed in with regards to teruma, the measurement with regards to bitul by teruma is 100. You need 100 against the, quote, problematic teruma. What if, says the Mishnah, there's 99 against the one? Uh, maybe it's okay then. No, it's 100 versus one. Says the Mishnah, you can't take heter, ad, uh, permitted crops, in order to overwhelm it. What's the reason? That's it. So now we're stuck in our Gemara. If the concept, which we know from elsewhere, I told you more than once, if the concept is you're not allowed to be doing that, Rav Matna, what are you telling me? Rav Matna, we, for all intents and purposes, we began this discussion today with a circumstance where an isur, mukseh, fell into my oven. Problematic item in there. I can't use it any longer. How am I going to use this fire? I'm going to move it around. Bitul. But how'd you do bitul? Rav Matana told me by adding in mutar things. I know from the Mishnah, Masechet Terumot, I'm not allowed to do that. Parenthetically, but significantly, what's the reason she'en mevatelini su'lechatechila? Why not? If the halacha dictates, if the Torah, according to the understanding of the hakamim, you go based on majority, who cares how that majority came about? The Torah says a majority, or by extension, 60, or 100, or 200, or whatever your circumstances, if that's the measurement, that's the measurement. Chalas, shalom al Yisrael. Why are you not allowed to be mevatel isur What several of the aharonim suggest is that um, by so doing, and I, I can't say that myself included, not in this context, but in life, I'm not guilty of this, you've effectively taken laws of the Torah and kept them as laws, ridding them of any meaning. And what I mean by that is, there are laws and there are strictures and there's structure which is governed and determined by the Torah. We can, just like in any other realm or domain, manipulate those laws. We're not changing them too much, but we're finding our way through the cracks easily in some way or fashion. And the Torah says, this is prohibited food. This is something you're not allowed to be using. Those are the statements of the Torah. I say, All right, listen, I understand, but I really want to eat it. I don't want to take that as a loss. You can, you could, come up with a smart enough process to overcome it with regards to law. You haven't really understood the reasoning of the Torah. You've taken meaning of the Torah, which is telling you this is something we want you to be distanced from, and you've kind of discarded of meaning by taking law and allowing for that to overwhelm it. Listen, I say it all the time, we do this, and I'll give examples that are somewhat innocuous to the crowd, uh, you know, without getting too personal, myself and yourself included. We do it in Hilchot Shabbat, when we want to know is this permitted, is this prohi- uh, uh, forbidden, and we'll find and craft for ourselves what we want Shabbat to look for ourselves, by making certain that the rabbi said it's permitted. If I work, are you serious? That's what the day is going to look like? Listen, you determine, what you, have you really understood what the Torah's vision is supposed to be for Shabbat? Or have you manipulated the system by taking laws and rules that can fit your structure in the way that you want it to be? 
The exaggerated example, which I talk about all the time, is in the context of Purim. Purim, Megillat Esther, is the story of, ironically, Dat, Dalitaf. It's a Persian word mentioned in Megillat Esther some several dozen times. The word Dat means law. The book is all about this law and that law. Esther goes against the law, and there's a law of drinking at the party, and the king wants to know what's the law with regards to Vashti, and so on and so forth. Think for a moment about what Shushan was. Shushan was, for all intents and purposes, you and I would say, a lawless society. They're drinking themselves, intoxicating, and inebriating ways for 180 plus seven days opens the book. That's a society which has law. Mishte is a drinking party. It's a party of frivolous activity. That's a kingdom of law. Sure, they put all sorts of structure, made a lot of sense, looked good to people. It was meaningless. Ahasuerus had nothing going on. He was promoting himself. There was no mission. There was no description of where we want to be. There was just a lot of laws. That's in Mevatilini Surah Okay, it's a difficult situation. Instead of realizing there's meaning to this, let me overwhelm it. Let me overcome this. That's the suggestion with regards to this concept of you've found a loophole, a way to do this, but you've effectively rid the Torah's law of meaning. To take a system which is uh, filled with laws and to empty it of meaning is, I hate to say it in these words, the claim of the Christians against us. Claim of the Christians against Jews historically some 2,000 years ago was here's a religion which is governed by not understanding the Bible properly. They've turned this whole thing into just following rules. Where's the love? Where's the passion? Where's the connection? That's the early, that's the early seeds of Christian theology. And when we wrongfully are mevateli sulechatehila, when we turn halacha into a system of just laws as opposed to imbuing us with meaning and purpose and direction, well, we've given in to their claims. Anyway, says the Gemara over here, how do you deal with this, Rav Matna? You've dealt with a circumstance where there's mukse. You told us, be mevateli sulechatehila. The principle is, en mevatelini sulechatehila answers the Gemara for Rav Matna, hane mile bedeoraita, aval bedrabanan mevatelin. The answer goes as follows. True. When you, we'll put it in our terminology. When you're dealing with an isur from the Torah, like Tirumah, for example, God made a statement. He made a claim to you. This is problematic. If it happened to be, without your involvement, that it was annulled, all right, so then it's not existent. But you're going to undermine my system with my rules? If it's rabbinic in nature, if it's midrabanan, it's altogether different. The hachamim who made this gezerah are now permitting in this circumstance, listen, the purpose of this gezerah was because of X, Y, and Z. And this circumstance, we're allowing, we're understanding it to be different. That's the statement. Now, that's very far-reaching, and every one of the Rishonim uh, very much narrows this and narrows this more and narrows this more. Does that mean in all Isunim Dirabbanan, Mevatilin Isul Chatehila Tosafot, on the right hand side, asks from our Gemara and Davgimal? The Gemara and Davgimal, if you recall, was talking about Tirumad Dirabbanan, the Igul. Remember those uh, figs which were in the utensils? And we were talking in the context of Bitul. Why didn't, in that, if you remember the details, leaving them aside, why didn't the Gemara suggest, Be Mevatil, do Bitul Chatehila? You're dealing with, ultimately speaking, it was terumah on fruit, which Rashi was telling us was with Midrabanan, suggests Tosafot. We don't really mean on every rabbinic restriction you could be mevatel lechatechila. 
We mean on restrictions which have no sourcing, no grounding in the Torah, like Mukseh. Mukseh is a novelty of the rabbis. It's completely rabbinic in nature. Terumah is in the Torah. Do you apply it to fruits or do you apply it only to Dagan Tirosh The application to fruits is the rabbis applying with something that's similar to Torah, something that's along the lines of Torah, only if it's in the words of Tosavot, that's when if it's effectively, this is a biblical statement. The understanding of is not that it's a gezera, but it's a, let's call it a takana. You know, in other words, it's, it's, it's not that you're distancing yourself from something. It's that the situation is that you're not allowed to do this. That's not gezerah l'gezerah. Gezerah means I safeguard and I safeguarded more. Not our situation over here. So again, generally speaking, the Gemara is telling us mevatilini which I guess fits in line with your thought. But if the item is not really mitrabbanan, it's just an extension of the Torah which the rabbis established in such a circumstance, suggest Osafot, the other Rishonim have different takes on this, you still can't be mevatil. Okay, says the Gemara, uh, one last detail with regards to this case. That was a statement of Rav Matna. Does that accord with this fancy thing we've been talking about called davar shiyesh lo matirin. Remember davar shiyesh lo matirin? If an item will become, without your involvement, permitted over time, so then you can't ever be mevatelet. Why not? Rashi told us on Instead of eating it when it's prohibited, just wait a little bit longer, wait until after the holiday, and then it's permitted. Is it not? This was really, to a certain extent, Jeffrey was asking this at the time. At any time, I'm dealing with some sort of prohibition on Shabbat, like Mukseh. I should never have bitul. So even if he got past that issue called bitul chatahila, even if he got past the issue of mehapech bi'isur, the concept of you can never annul something which is how you can explain the circumstance what's that in our oven how'd you I gotcha. How'd you decide that? Uh, how'd you decide that's going to be a qualifying characteristic? I guess you say you happen to be right. The next few lines in the Gemara. I normally would say you're on the English side. You're already read right ahead. I, I give you credit here. Um, so they, they, that's that's why I said. That's why I said that. That's exactly why I said. I give him credit here. Um, so uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse suggests that the, that the logic of Rashi, if you recall, was. Instead of eating it now, when it's, when it's asur, just wait until tomorrow when it's asur, so maybe that would apply, that would not apply over here. After all, when I look at this branch which fell in, it's burning. So if the logic is, oh, we don't want you to be mevatel because it's not gonna come at a loss to you. Just wait until after the holiday, you could use it then. Says Jesse, not really, it's in there, it's burning. That might be the interpretation. There's many interpretations to the next words. Says the Gemara, Hanem mile, those words, that concept of Davashi Eshto Matinin is not Patel, Afilu Be'elif even a thousand, Hechad Itel Isura Be'ene. That's when you can look at and point to, so to speak, with your eye, Be'ene, uh, the Isur. 
However, hacha in our situation, mikla kale, that's a way of saying it's quickly burning, isura, the isura is being burnt. And as a result, it's not really relevant to us in a way that I can pinpoint and say, that's the devar isura, it's getting burnt quickly. In the words of Jesse, as a result, you're not going to be able to enjoy it later on. As a result, the logic of davashi yesh matirin should not apply. Alternatively, what the Gemara is saying, it's burnt before you benefit from it. So it's kind of not there. Will be more lenient in such a circumstance. Uh, that's what we have. Uh, so we uh, place that whole issue of mukseh and the concept of etzim shenashru and into the tanur on the side. Uh, to summarize it very briefly, Rav Matna set forth for us: if the tree branch fell into the oven on Yom Tov, there's a permissibility. What about bitul isur What about It's getting burnt. You're not dealing with in the real sense before the time of benefit, until the time of benefit, you're not dealing with, uh, uh, excuse me, at the time of benefit, the item which is asur is not there any longer. As it's lit up, as you're getting the warmth, as you're getting the fire, the item which was permitted, so all, for all, extents and purpose, all, all intents and purposes, gone. It's, it's already burnt up. That's what the Gemara sets forth us. Now the Gemara says, all right, let's return to an issue that we talked about earlier, and, uh, and, and let's uh, give it a little bit more attention and focus. This is, as I mentioned some time ago, this is where the Gemara talks about this Yom Tob Sheni Shel Galuyot. This is perhaps the most well-known, this is the critical Gemara in the next several, eight, ten lines, with regards to second day Yom Tob. Uh, so, uh, why, why are we talking about this over here? At the top of the page, if you recall, we were talking about, and we began the class really referring to that, a Betzah, which was born on Shabbat into Yom Tob, or Yom Tob into Shabbat. And the question initially yesterday was, do we envision that all as one, one, you know, one uh, a piece, one, one kiddushah, or is it two separate days? Is it one unit of 48 hours, or is it 24 and 24? That was one conversation. As, as you might recall, we said, Rava says halachas like Rav in these three cases. And we said that was one of the cases, that there's an Isur. And another one of the cases is going to be the one we're going to address right now. What about, for argument's sake, again, we'll talk in the context of understanding the days and all that sort of business, but Betzai is born on day one of Yom Tov, and I want to eat it on day two of Yom Tov. Not from Shabbat into Yom Tov, not from Yom Tov into Shabbat, from Yom Tov into Yom Tov. Now be mindful of the fact, again, if you're living in Israel, the second day isn't Yom Tov. In such a circumstance. Very briefly, we talked about this at greater length in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. What's the idea of having a second day Yom Tov? So the concept which the Gemara will allude to is that months on the Jewish calendar could be, uh, based on the calculations of the, of the lunar calendar, it's just about 29 and a half days if you were to calculate it. I don't have half days. So some months are going to have 30 days and some months are going to have 29 days. There was once upon a time a certain doubt with regards to which month is going to be which. And as a result, there would be, uh, in, in Yerushalayim and, and elsewhere, there would be acceptance of testimony with regards to when the new moon was seen, and in turn, an establishment of Rosh Chodesh. In order to get the word out, well, you had to have a good mechanism to get the word out in time. Two critical months, specifically, that you need to know by the 15th, what's the status? Tishrei, you need to know before, uh, you need to know before Kippur, you need to know before Sukkot, and Nisan, you need to know before Pesach, so you're not eating Hamet, which day? was the first day of the month. Was it day 30? Was it day 31? That's the question. That's the issue. Since 
it took time. Since there were doubts with regards to whether we were going to find out in time, the rabbis established and understood, not from the Torah, but rabbinically speaking, we should observe outside of Israel and its close environs, uh, we should keep two days of Yom Tov. Again, the issue will be what's the status of those two days? How do, after all, the status of those two days is we're not certain about, to a certain extent, either one of them. Well, how do I envision that? If a bitzah is born on day one, is it permitted on day two or not? Well, let's read it and break it down very briefly now for a minute or two before we go back to this tomorrow. It says the Gemara, um, uh, uh, it was said in the Midrash, three lines before the lines get wide. Shenei yamim tobim shel galuyot. Galut, of course, means exile. This is only going to be applicable outside of Israel, outside of the areas where those messengers came and they kept one day Yom Tov. Rav Amar, so let's uh, just uh, for, for a moment understand Rav's statement. Rav's statement is, as Rashi explains, it's somewhat easy to understand. Just give it a moment to, to let it seep in. Rav's statement goes like this. One of these two days, for you and I, is Hol. One of these two days is not holiday. The Torah says there's one day of holiday. Why are we keeping two days? Because we're uncertain which one of these is the holiday and which one's not the holiday. Right? So if the egg was born on the first day, if the first day was holiday, the second day is not holiday, it's permitted. If the first day was not holiday, so then it was born on a non-holiday, there's no issue. The statement in turn of Rav, of Betzashin Odabi on Tobrishon, is somewhat understood that it's Muteret Basheni one more time. If I distinguish and make a statement, only one of these days is really holiday. I'm going to accept them as both, rabbinically speaking. There shouldn't be a problem on the second day. If the first day was not the holiday, second day, of course, is permitted. Then it was Mutar on the first day, but I didn't know that. If the first day was holiday, so then it's, then it's permitted. What the, you, you, how many circumstances? I understand. If you, come, if you could come, we talked about this in, the, in, in other sorts of contexts. You can. Why would Ravaseh disagree? Says the Gemara, Lema Kasavar, perhaps the logic of Ravaseh is Kedusha Ahati. We'll pause with that. Ravaseh, who disagrees, who says that even though it was born on day one, it's still prohibited on day two, he must maintain that as much as the history over here is, that the reason the rabbis established two days because we were uncertain, but ultimately speaking, when they established it, it's a unit. That's the word I was looking for. It's a unit. It's a 48-hour, for all intents and purposes, unit known as Yom Tov. And as a result, don't envision one as not certain Yom Tov, another one not certain. These are both Yom Tov. And as a result, is going to be Asura The Gemara will question this. The reason the Gemara will question is going to say, Ravaseh himself, at the conclusion of the first Yom Tov, first day of Yom Tov, would say Havdalah. If he was saying Havdalah, he was clearly making a statement that one of these days was holiday and the other one was not. It's certain that he would observe both of them, but he seemed to be distinguishing. We're therefore going to question Abbasid, but we'll return to this, and in turn the Gemara will develop and explain to us this concept, the history and appreciation of what Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot really is. Baruch Adonai Amen